0: Welcome back to Misunderstood Studios. Yo, it's been a minute, it's been a minute, it's been a minute. Uh, That's partly because of me, but also because I don't know how to click save. We had an interesting discussion that will never be dropped on voting and 2024. But we've passed that. We are back at it, giving you your weekly entertainment. What's up?
1: Yeah, man. Hey, unfortunately, that episode is... uh lost somewhere in the digital universe but hopefully we can revive its spirit in this one
0: ah definitely 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 this week we are we're having an interesting conversation um we're speaking about the war that's kind of been going on but i think it's kind of lost its media focus has lost its sensationalism and the war that we're kind of forgetting we're speaking about russia and ukraine but we're looking at it from the south african perspective we're looking at our influence in it we're looking at our role in it and we're simply looking at the weapons that we essentially or potentially gave to russia
1: yeah i mean um one is like considering the collapse of denel i don't know why the russians would want to buy weapons from us yeah but it also calls into question like russia is one of our smallest trading partners mm what's the value of our allegiance to them now because it's becoming more harmful than it is becoming beneficial um and then when you look at what happened to the rand um even our human rights reputation is being called into question yeah now granted this is kind of an irony because it's being called into question by the west and the u.s who their human record human rights record anywhere they go is not great but um Unfortunately, they have the moral superiority Mm -hmm. because they just think they're those guys. And that's harming everyday South Africans now. So, you know, it's just like, do we really need Russia anymore? Um, I'm I'm asking myself that question. Like it's not helping us. Yeah. Maybe we should just take a step back and say, hey, listen, our partnership is not helping. Maybe we should cut
0: ties. I think like in terms of cutting ties and where we are at the moment, everyone's big response is bricks bricks is this future bricks is going to save us i know BRICS bank is trying to get saudi arabia to sign on and at the moment there's a lot of potential but it's the question that we're asking is how much are we willing to risk for that potential and where we are at the moment is as you said russia is not necessarily a beneficial relationship it's been a relationship that continues to harm us continues to put us in the limelight, because whether it's South African deciding not to do anything with Russia, deciding not to be an alliance, or deciding not to take a stance against Russia, they're with the rest of the African countries who look the other way. And an interesting thing is who is at fault? Who is meant to step up and say what we're doing is right or wrong? An interesting case study that was given was people looking into african nations which have been helped by the ussr not russia's particularly and people asking the question of how much are we responsible for the relationship that exists there but also what is our responsibility to the relationship that helped many african nations free themselves and gain independence
1: um you know i watched an interview the other day with uh, Julius Malema and Dr. Walsh, and he said something that's very interesting that I think most people don't really think about. He said, You know, it was the USSR that helped us out, mm. not the Russian Federation. Those are two different political entities with two different political ideologies. So, yes, while geographically, you know, they occupy the same space, ideologically, they're not the same. Yeah. Um, so, while we can be thankful for the role that they might have played in helping us get liberation, ultimately, we're not indebted to the same political institution. Mm. Um, And you also need to ask, just because a clear relationship is there, doesn't mean you can't point out someone's inadequacies. So it's like, just because you might have given me something in the past, if you decide one day I want to commit genocide, I can't just sit and say, well, like, yo, this guy gave me something really cool, so I'm I'm just going to say nothing. Yeah. You know, in terms of BRICS, like you're saying, there's a lot of potential there. But I ask myself, are we ready for that? As Africa, is our current government ready to be in such a high political position that requires a lot of responsibility to manage, but that will also make a lot of enemies for you? Because let's just say now Saudi Arabia comes on board and they stop um selling oil in US dollars. Mm that could mean a serious economic crisis for the u.s so they won't take that sitting down number one but then also that makes us a direct economic enemy yeah and is south africa powerful enough to sustain an antagonistic economic relationship with the u.s i don't think so as much as the anc might say like you know south africa is this and the u.s must stay out of our affairs and and whatnot it's like they can't even manage the economy as is Now we're going to make an enemy of the biggest economy in the world. And the other thing that I see a lot of so-called African intellectuals doing is they speak of Western dominance and they sort of affirm that this new Eastern dominance is going to be beneficial for Africa. So they'll look at like China, BRICS and all of that and say like, okay, this is a better alternative. But I ask myself, you know, China coming in and doing exactly what the US is doing or even worse, that's not going to provide any benefit to us in the long run so either way i
0: think we're screwed yeah i think that's true and i think i mean the joke goes you don't pay back china they seize your ports and it speaks to the idea that we're dealing with two immoral actors or at least i can say in my opinion two immoral actors in terms of the west they're not necessarily invested in your economy invested in the country of africa and more so are invested in the resources in which we have in terms of the east it's allyship that's what they're missing they need countries they need people to back them they need people to ensure that their economy can run i mean for me it takes me back to kind of like the cold war era where we had east and west and everyone was trying to figure out with the east win, with the west win, and in the end capitalism came on top but i feel like that's up to interpretation for everyone but in terms of where we stand now is that the majority of people are really trying to figure out what is the way forward and what is the importance of independence and unity um it's interesting that you say western and eastern dominance because i've kind of viewed it lately as american dominance and chinese dominance i haven't really seen many of the other partners come into play um i mean obviously russia has been in the news and has been influencing a lot of what's been happening around us with the war but a lot of the people who actually hold the power who hold the capital are these two major nations which are kind of just like pushing each other to the edge until one reacts um, and it's interesting that the most dollars outside of the US exist in China and with the transition to the Yuan in BRICS or trading in BRICS currency if they make a completely new currency there's a world that exists where we benefit or we fail, but we don't really know yet. So what do we take as our security, our surety that we are being benefited by this potential that exists?
1: Well, I think that comes with economic influence above all. Mm. You know, um, the biggest economy in BRICS is China and then the second biggest is India. South Africa falls at the bottom of that list. So while a, you know, a BRICS currency might benefit us in the sense that, you know, we we have a powerful currency that we were a part of forming. It's also like, what does that do to our existing trading relationships, right? Because mm-hmm. as much as, you know, we trade a lot with China, I think it's something like 30% of our um, international trade is done with the US. Yeah. So now if we deliberately were part of taking away the power of their currency, they're going to say, we're not trading with these guys. Or they'll try and impose some form of economic sanctions or other sanctions on us. I mean, they're already trying to do something of the sort with this whole Russia weapons thing. Yeah. Right. And so I ask myself, is our economy ready to take that? Because it's so fragile as it is. Now, if one of our biggest trading partners just pulls away and says, Mm -hmm. no, I don't know if a country like China can just fill that surplus or if they're just going to fill that surplus in a way that's to our benefit. They might say, okay maybe you guys were exporting this much of gold to um, you know the US we want to take that gold now we want you to export more of that gold to us but because now the US is not buying we're not getting that income how are we going to pay our remaining Mm. debt so they might say because you guys are falling short and you might not have the, the economic might to fulfill this requirement we might as you know as you said in the joke We might take a port or we might take this or that so that um you know we can get our surety from Mm. this deal and you guys can continue exporting gold and what often happens with african leaders is they make policies or trade agreements that tend to benefit them as a party or as a political institution rather than the country as a whole so the country could suffer um and now we're in this relationship with a bigger country that you know doesn't have any benefit for us so I don't know if I see BRICS as as being a future that can help us at least mm. existing in the current power hierarchy that that's there right um I think above all Africa and South Africa need economic independence yeah because without that then you know we're just at the behest of everything else that goes on and what's to say I mean the US has started wars in countries over nothing what's to say now if you're threatening to remove their biggest muscle their economic muscle they're just gonna say well we're starting a war with you guys because you know you've indirectly contributed um to killing the united states i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility
0: and i think it asks an interesting question about the prospect of war though because it is a question of where does war take place um and i think it's true that and i don't know I feel like the americans would respond but they wouldn't respond violently um just because of iraq iran afghanistan where they've been recently it's kind of been like there's been a president for them to step out of these countries um reduce their violence and i think they've tried to implement more soft power over countries they've tried to implement more sanctions i mean china with or let me not say china let me say the u.s with tiktok um it's kind of Small pushes to ensure that they maintain power within their own country. I I do see a world where the U.S. responds, but I don't see a world where the U.S. responds violently. But if they were, I guess the question is, is that where does South Africa stand? Do they get involved in the war? Do they look the other way, or do we simply just do whatever is required of us by our BRICS obligation?
1: I think ultimately, if it ends up getting to that stage, you know by the nature of where we stand, we'll we'll fall with BRICS. Um, We'll have to, you know, and I think there might be this ideological split in Africa because there's a lot of African leaders who are pro-West, who are pro the US, but equally now there's a lot of African leaders who want to align with BRICS. And we know there's a lot of other countries, not just in Africa, but South America, Asia, who want to join BRICS. So I think the next great economic battle is you know currency supremacy but also um you know which side of the BRICS versus west coin do you fall Mm -hmm. on um and then that will dictate sort of you know what's your foreign policy going to be who is your biggest trade agreements going to be with and all of those things but i think one country that we're overlooking as well is india um i mean while india might have huge inequality and all these other economic problems that it has now um you know china less and less is um keeping that reputation of being the manufacturing hub of the world yeah a lot of that is starting to move into india you know india as well with um a lot of its startups it's becoming a bigger and bigger influence Mm. um but the common denominator here is that nowhere in this does south africa seem to be a major player Yeah. Does it come in and say, "We are South Africa. We have got this growing influence in whatever," and I think that's partly due to our internal problems. I mean, as a country, we're not doing the greatest, Um, but that's also due to the fact that these other countries are just way bigger, way more advanced in a lot of other things. Um, So while I don't see the U.S., I I think I can partly agree in that they won't initially Mm -hmm. respond in a a violent way. But knowing them, if it comes to it, they can always just create some imaginary reason to invade you. Yeah. I don't think that invasion will happen in Russia directly or in China directly. I think the battleground will definitely be Africa. Mm. I don't think it will be South Africa, but it could be Africa. It might just be like, you know, in the Congo, a lot of big US tech companies get a lot of their minerals there. Yeah. Um, And China knows this russia knows this they also invested there and whatnot so it might just be a proxy war that happens in a country like the congo over resources and the fight might just come up the u.s says oh no these guys are trying to kill our supply chain so we're fighting against them wherever so it could always happen like that but for me i see the battleground as being africa and i i envision a scenario where if the u.s's economic dominance is threatened to a very large degree they'll use any means necessary to retain that power
0: Mm. nah i definitely agree i mean i was was researching something quickly where an interesting thing and i think it speaks to a thing of south african politics but also our view and how we engage with the political sphere globally is we our response to russia ukraine was non-alignment and encouragement for peaceful solution between the two countries. Now, a different response that we gave was to Queen Elizabeth, where we didn't mourn her death, um, obviously because of the various human rights violations that have taken place by her family, but also under her rule, especially within South Africa, but also wider Africa. And as it stands now, I think the question that we're asking is do we only respond to western politics because there's there's an influence to respond to western politics and people require us to respond to western politics because recently if you look at most south african politicians who have been asked about russia ukraine they all have a response and they all have a thought i guess the queen was slightly different no one really cared after the first week but it's the same thing where we're back at an interesting place where we're kind of in the crossroads where we're able to choose east versus west but from our actions we seem to be aligning more closely with the east without recognizing the consequence
1: i think historically africa has always been on an anti-west standpoint and mainly because of colonization and whatnot you know you can't blame africans for for taking that stance and yeah, the east has been while you could question their intentions for helping out liberation movements or independence movements, they were always that common feature that was there to help out either financially, militarily or, or otherwise. So I think a lot of people are viewing or a sort of conflating the anti-imperialist stance mm. with a pro-Eastern stance. Um, and for me, it's like we can be anti-imperialist. While acknowledging that the East is, no, is not um, for our liberation, economic yeah. or otherwise, right? And the danger I'm seeing is that because a lot of people are conflating, you know, anti-imperialism with pro-East um, dominance or pro-East influence, um, that's creating a situation where, you know, the neo-colonialist tendencies of the Chinese are going to be welcomed in Africa with open arms because mm-hmm. a lot of the intellectuals are saying yes come uh china you guys are investing in factories here you're creating employment you're doing all of these things but two, th- two things can be true at once right people can do good things and still be bad people yeah right so china can can do things that are beneficial for africans but still have bad intentions while they're doing those things so i worry that you know in accepting them with open arms We're just going to be enslaving ourselves without even realizing it. Um, That's why for me, I view it as African economic independence needs to happen for itself. And it needs to dictate. This is how we want to engage with the West and with the East. And no matter how those engagements, or no matter how we choose to go about those engagements, there's no sort of fallout from our side. Because if we choose the US, right? There's going to be a huge economic fallout with China because they're going to be like, you're siding with our, our enemies. Um, we trade this much with you. We're going to halt that. And that's going to hurt us. If we side completely with China, the US is going to be like, you're siding with our enemies. Um, therefore, we're going to stop this trade or we're going to impose tariffs or do whatever. So whatever side we choose, we ultimately benefit in some ways, but we also don't benefit in other ways. Yeah. So it needs to get to a stage where we can choose a side depending on how it suits us and how morally beneficial it is to stand on that side and i don't mean that in a sense that standing on the side makes us look better than what we are but i mean if there was a Mm. war going on we can take an anti-war stance and then that doesn't affect us and push us to the point where we need to take a pro-war stance just because we have relations with russia right we can make moral decisions Mm. that don't affect us economically but we're not at that state every decision we take puts us in a morally compromising position because we also have to consider the relations we have with other countries. So until that's the case, where we can make those decisions independently, then, you know, I don't see an Eastern-influenced or Western-influenced Africa benefiting us in the grander stage.
0: Yeah. But isn't there a world where we get to play the two off each other? Where we get to essentially play the west versus the east until one breaks because as we stand now as south africa especially i think from a citizen point of view people love to quote our progressive constitution our actions taken to liberation and we've kind of got this weird moral conscience that doesn't allow us to be in cahoots with russia in cahoots with the east At the same time we have an anti-colonialism anti-imperialism thought process but we have to choose someone because there isn't really an alternative in the near future obviously african independence is i think theoretically our best choice idealistically it's the best choice but in reality it's very far Um, not only because in the times that it's been attempted, African leaders have been killed, but also because I think most people know this, is that Western countries more than Eastern countries could never allow Africa to gain independence in its own economic system. Because at the end of the day, economies are really just our own thoughts. We give them value. Like there is nothing backing the economy except for what we believe the value of currency is. And I think as Africans, because we lack that knowledge, we lack that information, and we lack the ability to implement that information, a lot of our realistic, idealistic worlds will never come true until individuals actually know what to do. So as it stands now, are we not forced into a place where we're making a decision? Or we could be making a better decision by utilizing the two powers against each other.
1: I think what you've just pointed out there is the fundamental problem that Africa faces, right? Is that if our economic independence means either the fall of the dominance of the US or less influence for China and the rest of the East, then there's going to be a conflict there. Mm. Because then the rest of the world will never let us be independent, no matter how much we try, because that affects them. Yeah. Right? So one that calls into question the global order. It's like, we, if, you know, African independence is an ideal, but it can only be an ideal and it can only be realized if other nations fall below where they are now, then that's a problem because mm-hmm. they're not just going to do that. And the other problem is that, you know, like you're saying, it is an idealized vision to have African independence, yeah. but realistically, that's not where we are. And the global order is not made like that. So it's like, what's the alternative? Um, and that might be siding with one, one side Mm. of, um, the world or the other. And for me, you know, I, I always like taking a stance that's for being self-sufficient above all, even when it's the harder thing to do. But in this case, I think the U.S. is not the side to take, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because the US is also in a similar dilemma, right? Is that their economic dominance depends on a lot of other countries being beneath them or dependent on them, either mm. militarily or economically, right? Like the whole Saudi Arabia um, trading in US dollars, trading their oil in US dollars thing, the Saudi Arabians were like, you guys are going to give us military protect- protection and sell weapons to us in exchange for us selling um, oil in dollars, right? So they benefit militarily there other countries as well it's like we will not invade you we will protect you from all these other places i mean look at nato right yeah um i'm sure a big reason why a lot of people are scared of nato is like you don't want to mess with the u.s right so the moment now people are not dependent on the u.s either economically or militarily there's an issue and i think a lot of countries are realizing that brics has the potential to do that Saudi Arabia can now say, well, China's got a huge military budget, they've got a lot of military people, um, lots of weapons, they economically, or they can be economically self-sufficient. We can side with them. And so the US now, we're not, we're not reliant on them for protection, right? And that creates a problem for the US because it's mm-hmm. now like, the more people are less reliant on us, the less power we have, which means the worse off we are. I mean, they're so scared, conservatives, republicans and democrats alike they're so scared of oil being sold in us dollars i mean in in a currency other than us dollars that that's the one thing they're willing to come together on and say we cannot let that happen yeah right so there's a problem there. it can't be that the us dominance must serve everything above all and no one else can can threaten them so if we go with the East that provides an opportunity now to end that dominance but that also opens up a window for a new type of dominance and it's like do we want to be led by the the chinese i don't think so i don't Mm -hmm. know if it might be the better of the two evils or i even question that because look at how they run their own societies yeah right the u.s the u.s i think runs their society similar they just make you believe that they don't do it like Like They've gotten very good at saying you guys are free and making you think you're free, but do a lot of things that prove the contrary. The Chinese are very upfront about it. You know, there's social (laughs) credit. You know, there's cameras watching you. You know, there's all of these things. So it's just like, oh, well, that's a reality. But the US will make you think you're the freest person in the world. And those things can still be there. So I guess that's the other fight. Do we want to side with a place where we think we're going to be free? Or do we want to side with a place where we know there's going to be consequences in terms of our personal liberties, but maybe we'll be free from this other power that's terrorized us for so long?
0: Mm. And I think that's true. I think it's true in the fact that people think Western society is better because they somewhat enshrine human rights, enshrine democracy, enshrine freedom but in reality they don't, I mean I think it's a bit crazy that we don't recognize they have an FBI and a CIA, a secret police just to come after you, which implies that you're not really free, you're not really set to do as you please, Um, but also I think the enshrinement of rights, I think they've failed multiple times, I mean Black Lives Matter, people getting shot, gun laws, it's interesting what they believe enshrining rights is, But I think there is a larger question about the validity of many of these Eastern countries, because one thing that's true and one thing that's become of common knowledge is China messed up. Their one child policy has given them a male dominated society and it's predicted that their economy will decrease. I don't know how true this will be, but there isn't as much strength, balance and governance that exists within these countries or that exists in many of the partner countries because i think in the south african context the weird thing is that in many in in many of the brics nations we're the only i think not sure about india but we're the only country who's democratic and implements democracy to its truest form russia claims to be democratic and that's a chat brazil as well always has its issues with its own governance so, in terms of where we stand, and in terms of what we're looking at, is how much of our own governance are we willing to give away, but also how much are we willing to trust that these countries will be superpowers in 10, 15, 20 years?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, we're already having problems trusting our own governance to just govern our country as it is, um, and these are South Africans running our yeah. government. So now it's like you open up the door for Chinese influence, for Indian influence, for Brazilian influence, for Russian influence. Um, My worry is like, will that not open the door for, you know, worse policies um, and just a worse economic uh, situation for most South Africans? I don't know. Um, In terms of, you know, these countries and how they run themselves, and will they be superpowers from now? Mm. I guess that's the other thing. I mean, for a long time, people thought that China is rising so quickly that they're easily going to overtake the US. But then we saw yeah. what happened with their real estate crisis. Um, I mean, their COVID policies only really finished like last year. Yeah. They still had like heavy lockdowns and whatnot. And you also got to ask yourself how long will Chinese people accept this dictatorship? Because True. dictatorships don't last forever. And so, with it being gone, the stability or the, the relative stability that this dictatorship uh, provided, how will that change now China's influence in the world? And then also India, you know, like you're saying, you you can never, the, th- the funny thing with economics is that it's an art form that most of the time you know your predictions will be wrong. Yeah. There's the joke that put 10 econo- um, economists in a room, and ask them a question you'll get 10 different answers mm. right and so we could sit here and say well yeah india will be a superpower in twenty, twenty-five years time yeah but we could be completely wrong equally we could say the opposite thing and we could be completely wrong as well we never really know right and on top of this we're not economists as well facts we're yeah. just a bunch of teenagers sitting <laughs> in a room talking about this um but you know either way it still doesn't spell out a good situation Mm. Um, i don't know if india or china is a superpower are they going to take the concerns of the african people and of south african people seriously they've got their own countries to worry about and as we've seen with china they're just trying to expand their influence to expand their control Mm. the same thing the u.s does um so that's why i say the next big question is you know what sort of ideology do we want to live under? What sort of lives do we want to live under? Yeah. Um, But I also still push this idea of self-sufficiency and it might take longer than our lifetimes can give us to get there. So we might never see that, but all processes need to start somewhere. So even if it is that in the beginning, you know, the journey for African economic uh, independence is hard. I think it's a journey that we ultimately have to go under because if we don't then it's always going to be a question of who do we align with um that can provide the best for us it's almost like you know if you're um in a relationship and you provide nothing (laughs) yeah and it's like okay which person can i align with that will provide me the best um stuff in life the best house the best car the best lifestyle you know but it's also like how long until this person says this person doesn't provide nothing in this thing i can do whatever Mm. i want with them because where else are they going to go they can't provide for themselves um but it's also like what's to say they're going to choose you you know in the first place because there's so many other options with people with actual influence i ask myself when other countries like saudi arabia um even other countries in south america or in the east when they start saying we want to join brics What's our influence going to be? Saudi Arabia has oil, and they know how to manage their oil very well, yeah. and that's made them very rich. We also have resources, but we haven't managed them the best. So once these bigger, more influential countries join, what's to say? Just because we're a founding member, um, what's to say our influence and interest will still be will still be kept? Look at bands, right? Mm-hmm. You can have founding members, but then the moment like one of the founding members starts to drop off or do his own nonsense, he goes, yeah. and then you can even remember members. Who weren't founding members but they're better than the guys who started it yeah so the same could happen to us where it's just like well why the hell do we care about the south africans because they don't really provide too much anyway we can get way more from saudi arabia than these guys could ever do so leave them right um and that's something most people don't consider our place and influence in Brexit is n- is not fixed even in Africa, it's not fixed. There's other African economies that are rising. And our economy is shrinking. And when you think about it, we are a small African country. Yeah. We have 60 million people. Look at how big countries like Nigeria are, the Congo are, all these things. If these countries got their shit together, they would be way bigger than, uh,
0: than us. I think it does ask an interesting question though, in terms of South African responsibility. Africa South African's responsibility to South Africans and a larger understanding of citizens' responsibility to each other because as it stands it's kind of like in South Africa we've well let me say this historically it used to stand as in South Africa we thought we were invincible on in the African continent um the jokes of oh we're gonna end up like Zimbabwe we used to laugh them off that could never be us oh, how look at us and everything now look at us we don't have power so there's there's an interesting chat there but also there's a chat about growth happening in africa that we're not recognized or knowledgeable of which means that we continue to think we're going to be this powerful influential country that's going to be the voice of africa and people are going to recognize us as the center or the heart of africa as much as we're still in the south though is that we're kind of stuck in this idealistic world where South Africans are going to forever believe that they're going to hold importance and I think it's the same mistake that our politicians make and more specifically I think the ANC where they think they're going to hold importance forever and I think what it does ask of us is to say how far into the future should we be thinking when we make many of our decisions whether it be aligning with russia not aligning with russia aligning with america not aligning with america or simply just not aligning with anyone
1: yeah i think again you raised something important um i like to think of south africa as africa's like united states wannabe mm. you know we think we're we're just above anything and everything on the continent because of our economic position historically um and like you're saying that's not fixed you know and there's other countries where the potential for growth and their growth currently is better than ours yeah we actually shrink more than we grow um so it's like you know and also you need to ask when our resources run out what then yeah i think south africa at a time had the potential to really really be that center of africa economically and it also was yeah but there were so many missed opportunities i mean we had some of the best arms companies we Mm. had escom was one of the world's best power producers at a stage um drone technology was a south african thing you know most people actually don't know that our doctors are some of the most sought after in the world so there was so many good things we have but because of mismanagement i think we spoiled that mm. and there's going to be a lot of other countries who capitalize on that you know and say we have these um potential areas of growth let's use them and let's cement our place in the future of the global economic order and they will make the strides now yeah. to do that while when we had the opportunity we didn't um take advantage of that and look now we're struggling for power you know i I find myself laughing sometimes um we're gonna go and try and get into the g7 and stuff these guys are gonna laugh at us and saying we're dealing with issues of the second industrial revolution they're talking (laughs) about the fourth one we can't even power shit, and we're talking about yeah "Yeah, we want to be involved in this we want to no it's not it's just not gonna work Mm. right so i think the future of south africa they really need to start saying to themselves one we need to fix the existing problems and there's this whole idea of going back to go forward so before we can think about all these future things and whatnot we need to solve what's existing now and some some past issues yeah um but then there's also another thing which i think most people don't realize there's not that strong of a an inter-Africa, Af- inter-African countries trade relationships. Yeah. Like, it's very hard to send something from South Africa to, like, Senegal. The amount of tariffs you're going to have to pay, even just getting it there, like, the supply line is, is going to be so difficult. And, I mean, you can't even get a direct flight from South Africa to Senegal. Yeah. You know? So the other mishap is that how do we as Africans suppose we're going to be this great economic thing when within our own continent the trade relationships are not there yeah um you know and even that harmony between south africans especially and other africans i mean go overseas you're unlikely to find you know south africans chilling with a lot of other africans yeah you're likely to find east africans chilling with other east africans west africans chilling with other west africans or even chilling amongst each other yeah but very rarely when i've gone overseas have i seen south africans Intermingling with a lot of other Africans At least a lot of them To the extent where you're like Okay well clearly you know There's a bond There's mm-hmm. a cultural African bond That exists here I don't, I don't see that In the same way that um, You don't see very many US people Chilling with South Americans Or yeah. Mexicans like outside of the US um, So I worry that as well Within our own continent Are we making those relationships um, That help make you strong and i don't think so look Mm -hmm. at the european union our african union is a joke like it's a genuine joke there's guys who've been in that like there's dictators who have been there for so long they've seen so many renditions (laughs) of different presidents and nothing has changed
0: i think there's two interesting things i think the first one is the elitism that exists within south africans of themselves that south africans feel like they're above everyone else and i think it's It's part of how South Africa exists in South Africa in terms of how people engage with Africans and the idea that we're always better, we're more intelligent, we come from better off. It's like, you've had to come here, we didn't have to come to you. And I think that also exists and is rooted in a lot of the deep xenophobia that exists within South Africa that we haven't unpacked or been able to engage with directly. But the second one is the African Union, which I think is an interesting chat. Because, I mean, after doing a whole lot of research on the African Union, the African Union believes in essentially what's what's the word I'm looking for? There's a specific word. What's the word where you don't get in? Where you don't? I think it's non-involvement, but it's said more better English. There's better English for that. Um, and essentially, the idea is is that African nations should observe what African nations are doing. And I think it exists to that same extent to say a lot of the issues that we have and continue to have is because African nations don't get involved. Many of the civil wars, the conflicts that exist in Africa could easily be stopped if African nations just wanted them to stop. And it's the fact at the moment that we don't get involved because of various dictators You don't want to relent their power, who don't want to actually engage in global politics and are very okay with being dictators of their own country without recognizing the impact of on their citizens, on how people actually live. But I think my final question is, as a South African citizen, as a South African, how much of your moral conscience plays into what happens into the future, how we are governed, who gets what amenities, who gets access to their rights? in terms of deciding what the future is for our economy, what the future is for our country?
1: Well, I think the one thing I wish we did more as South Africa is inculcate the culture of the most competent, the most qualified, the experts, dominating the top of a government post or setting the tone for how we're going to apply our policies you don't see that yeah all right so i think that has two problems one it's like we're not voting in the people best suited into Mm. those positions so we are morally responsible for that whether you vote or don't vote and two it's like we should create a culture where the first step in your mind when you want to enter these fields that have big influence is you need to be the cream of the crop and i'm not saying you don't you, you need to have gone to like the top university or whatever yeah. but you need to be about your shit right? so I think we're morally responsible in the sense that who we are governed by is our choice to make mm-hmm. and so we can't say um, then when you know we have poor governance then that's just um, the, the, the governors themselves acting in isolation no we put them there yeah. number one right so I think our future domestically has a lot to do with who we put there And I think secondly, it's coming off of who we put there, that's also going to decide how we make decisions from an international relations standpoint, you know, because if then we put leaders who say, well, no, South Africa first, what works for us, what's best for us long-term, then I think that will set the tone to other countries to say, this is what these guys are about. And I think the rest of Africa needs to do that. I mean, in the European Union, you're going to struggle to join as a country if your um president is a dictator right they have standards for joining and being part of it and the yeah. benefits of being part of the european union outweigh not being in there that's why like a few countries like turkey um and i'm forgetting others want to join it right the african union if there were standards to say hey guys listen if you're a dictator and whatever first you're not allowed to join but also as other african countries we're going to impose sanctions on you until you observe democratic practices or at least practices that we see fit but i also think we've seen that there's a few models that don't necessarily work in in africa economic social political that maybe we need to start saying what models really work for us And how do we apply them and rejecting the moral um, sort of chains that the rest of the world puts on us to say, you know, maybe this is not what you guys see as being the right thing to do, but for Africa, this is what works best for us. And we're okay with it being like this, you know, um, I don't know if you know much about El Salvador, but the president there, you know, when you see a lot of Western countries, Um, view of him they view him as a um, a violator of human rights someone who doesn't respect the majority who goes against supreme courts and whatnot but he's managed to really really take down the crime in el salvador and he's done it by being somewhat dictatorial like he has broken a lot of um, supreme court rulings and whatnot but the el salvador people are saying this works for us we want low crime we don't want gangs while he has you know arrested some people who were innocent and he's broken some of these other human rights overall it's something that's benefited us as a country and the majority of people are happy with it being like that mm-hmm. and the rest of the world might frown upon the president um his name is bukele but El salvadorians are like hey if i even said that right but they're <laughs> happy with it you know so maybe yeah. for africa we need to say well let's start from scratch and say what system will work for us and if other people don't like it we'll screw them this is you what know. we're going to do but we need to put in the leaders in place who will be able to do that efficiently and well so that's on us so as a south african i think i'm i'm responsible as much as every other person is responsible mm. but i also think across the world citizens of whatever country they form part of they need to say to themselves is my economic well-being good if it's at the expense of other countries not being able to develop and if that's mm-hmm. the case then all of us share the responsibility of creating a global economic system that benefits everyone where it's not that you are dominant over me um and so therefore that's okay and you guys can live in prosperity while I don't it's like we can both be prosperous without having one person overwhelmingly dominant over the other you know because fundamentally we all need partnerships and relationships because we don't have the same resources but that mustn't come at the expense of my prosperity right so until that's the case then I think we're always going to have an economic situation where especially Africa doesn't stand to benefit and no matter who we vote in and what they can do their arm won't be strong enough to push against whatever global order is, is suppressing them.
0: I mean i guess you said it all i guess you said it all i think it does speak to some extent of how global politics influences everything that we do influences who we pick who should lead us what governments we want to be involved in but also there's deeper chats in that in terms of what does african unity actually look like what is the responsibility of the african union And also a chat about like whether or not our financial systems that we have and the economies that we run on are actually viable for the provision of human rights, for the protection of individuals, but also for the development of multiple nations. And I feel like these are conversations we'll probably further and have at a later date, hopefully. But I think you stand true to say that a lot of it is in our hands. It's it's the decisions that we make, the people that we vote in. The standards that we implement and require of individuals to run a nation to run a municipality to run the world but also it's in with us to gain the knowledge to know who we are deciding who we are picking to influence the world in a positive way to influence things such as positive policies but that's been me and this has been misunderstood